So just in a moment, we are going to be jumping into some scripture uh, from John chapter 20. Um, and today we are not in the middle of a teaching series, um, but I think this topic will be quite linked to the series we just finished. Um, for those of you who missed it, it was called Leave for the 99, and it was all about getting out of church, taking the gospel message to the majority. Um, it was amazing. Check out the podcast if you missed it. Uh, so I am a millennial. I'm a part of Generation Y, um, as I'm, I'm sure a lot of you are as well. And I think if you're going to try to generalize us, um, we hate being generalized, but I'm going to do it anyways. Um, we're often described as activists or doers. Um, we tend to care a lot about social justice and voting surveys, voting data that's shown us that. Um, there was one study in the States just a little while ago that found over 80% of millennials were financially backing a charity and over 70% of millennials in the States were backing charities with their time. So we, we care about social justice. And of course, for the millennials who believe in Jesus, um, we want our faith to mean something in the world, as it should. And I think this is a really, really good thing. But it also means we tend to be really put off by empty religion and empty words. Um, and for me personally, I, I really identify with this. Um, something that really excites me about church and about KXC in general is that it is such a generous and compassionate force right in the middle of King's Cross. I, I love this. Um, and I work in the aid sector, so I'm probably every millennial cliche. <laughs> um, I went into this line of work because I wanted my faith to mean something in the world, and I really wanted to show people that Jesus loves them. I didn't just want to tell them that. But something I have been reflecting on recently, which drew me to this passage of scripture today, is that I think sometimes we've tried so hard to steer away from empty religion and empty words, and I think this is true not just for millennials, but we've tried so hard to get away from all of this that we forget that our words, they are powerful. We forget to use our voices to speak truth out altogether. And whether that's actually telling people about Jesus, whether that's using our words to speak life over people, using words, speaking them out to shift situations, we forgot to use our voices altogether. We forget that we were designed in our way where our voices and our words, they carry our authority. Our voices are powerful. Um, I love this quote um, from C.S. Lewis. He says, he, and he's referring to the devil here, always sends errors into the world in pairs, pairs of opposites. You see why, of course. He relies on your extra dislike of the one error to draw you gradually into the opposite one. And again, we've tried so hard to steer away from empty words. I think in doing that, in all the middle of our activism and our charity work and the social justice issues we're passionate about, and all of this is so, so good, in the middle of all of that, we forgot that our words are powerful. And so as we're looking at this passage of scripture today, I want us just to think about the question, do you remember in your day-to-day -day that you were designed in a way where your words and your voices carry authority? So that's the question I want us just to be thinking as we look at this. 
All right, so if you've got your Bible, we are going to be reading John 20, 11 to 18. Um, and just a little bit of context before we jump in. Um, so it is Saturday, it's Sunday. On Friday, um, Jesus was crucified and he's buried, and now it's Sunday morning. And Mary Magdalene, who is one of Jesus' followers, she shows up to Jesus' tomb and she's there to grieve. So that's, that's the context. Let's read this together. <clears throat> Not Corona, by the way. (laughs) I had to plug it in there somewhere. Uh, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father. Go to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. So, I love Mary Magdalene. Um, I've spoken about her at KXC before. Um, I think she is this really compelling but deeply, deeply misunderstood character in the Bible. Um, She's often described as this fragile, scandalous woman, as a prostitute. Um, She was none of these things. Um, She was a spiritually powerful woman. She was given this nickname that's carefully recorded in the Bible, Mary Magdalene. And it, it totally defied convention at the time of how women would have been referred to. And in in Aramaic, the word Magdalene, it means tower. So Mary is called Mary the Tower, or sometimes she's just called the Magdalene, the Tower for short. And in this context, towers, they represented strength and fortitude. This name, it meant something. She was a spiritually powerful woman. She was also a financially powerful woman. So she was one of Jesus' followers who was traveling with him, and she was financially backing Jesus' ministry. So she was bankrolling Jesus' ministry. So in other words, Mary, she was an activist too. She was a doer, and she was literally putting her money where her mouth was. And so it's not so surprising to me that when we read this passage of scripture, and when Mary comes across the empty tomb, and when she is speaking to this man, who is Jesus, who she thinks is the gardener, one of her first reactions to the situation is, where is Jesus? I want to go and get him. I want to go and take care of his body. I want to do something to try to fix this situation. She is a doer. But Jesus he snaps her out of this line of thinking and he says, Mary. He uses her name. He snaps her out of this line of thinking. And when she finally recognizes who he is, Jesus asks her to do something that's going to help kickstart all Christian ministry moving forward. And he asks her to simply use her voice. 
And so that's what she does. We know that Mary goes back to the disciples and she speaks out the words, he is alive. And we know from scripture that the disciples don't believe her. Um, I think sometimes we kind of skim over this. Um, but if you think about it, this was such an emotionally charged situation. So the disciples, they had what I would guess would have been one of the most traumatic days of their life. The most traumatic day of their life. They've seen Jesus be crucified. And they are grieving and they are scared. And, and Mary walks into this context and it's so emotionally charged. And she says, guys, Jesus is alive. And I think she would have got a huge emotional reaction. In other words, I think this would have been very, very costly for her. I think it would have been a costly message. But we know that Mary speaks out truth, and this is the beginning of something big. That's because God uses her voice, and God works through her words. And this this really makes sense to me. Um, because if we look at the creation story in Genesis 1, and Pete has spoken about this before, but if you, if you look at the, the ancient creation story that's, that's in the Bible, compared to all other creation stories of the time where God's created the world using warfare and violence and bloodshed, if we look at the story in the Bible, we can see that Israel's God, the Hebrew God, our God, created the world through divine speech. So, so Pete was saying before that God said, let there be light, and it happens. And that's because God's words are powerful. God's words usher in life. Now, if God has put something of himself in us, if we are God's image bearers in the world, or if we're her, his representatives in the world, if we have God's divine breath in us, then our words and our voices, they were meant to do the same. Our voices were designed to carry authority. Which means that the lyrics to the songs we sing, they matter. The words that we speak over ourselves and other people, they matter. Our voices, our words are powerful. Um, KXC recently celebrated its 10th year birthday. Um, it was a great celebration, and Pete and B shared the story of the church, and it was amazing. It's filled of highs, lows, miracles along the way. Um, but they shared this one moment that happened in Scala a couple years ago, um, where 500 of us gathered together, and we were, were there. It's this gig venue in King's Cross. We were there to pray and to worship. And there was this one moment they described where all 500 of us raised our voices in this shout. And we were praying that the walls of opposition in King's Cross would come crumbling down. And, and it was an amazing moment. But we didn't just do this for fun. Um, it was fun. It was very, very satisfying for those of you who were, who were there. But, but something happens when God's people gather together, when we raise our voice. And we can see this in the Bible. In the book of Joshua, for example, when God's people get together and we raise our voice, God works through that. God's, God meets us there and he starts to move. And that's because our voices were designed to be powerful. Um, I think some of you might relate to this, um, but views in my family seem to be traveling in the opposite direction. So in my immediate family and also my extended family, views about anything, um, politics, theology, any of the hot, sticky topics, we tend to be going in opposite directions. Um, we're polarizing, um, probably representing what's happening all around the world. 
Um, but as you can imagine, uh, politics don't, send, uh, don't tend to bring out the best in my family. Uh, election times are stressful times. We get into debates. It, all, it gets very messy. Um, and, and a few years ago, after the American presidential elections, um, we were doing what we always did um, do. We were fighting and arguing, and it was all very heated. And so I did this thing you should probably never do when it comes to your family and politics, and that is I started the family email chain. Um, so I brought it all onto Hotmail. <laughs> Don't judge me for having a Hotmail account, but that's what I did. And we, this chain started. And as you can imagine, it got more and more messy, more and more heated. Um, I know I was sending emails, reply all, you call yourselves Christian, question mark, question mark, exclamation mark, send. Um, it was not, not good. Um, yeah, it's all very embarrassing. But I remember I was in my room and I was reading this one particularly aggravating email and I was angry. I was, I was angry. I was so angry. I was close to tears. And I, I remember I stood up. And I looked in the mirror, and, and I'm really not in a good place in this moment. But I started speaking to myself, and I said out loud, I hate Americans. And I, I'm deeply ashamed that I said this. Um, and just to be so, so clear, I don't hate Americans. Um, our American friend who's visiting, you are so welcome. Um, very bad timing. Um, I don't hate Americans. Um, I've got American family on both sides. Um, some of my best friends are American, and I am from Canada, so to the lot of the world, we are pretty much just another northern state. Um, I sound like I'm justifying this. I do not hate Americans. Um, but in that moment, I was angry, and I did feel rage, and I did feel hate. And I remember the Spirit speaking to me with a level of clarity that I don't often experience, and I felt the, the Spirit say to me, I gave your words authority. Don't use them that way. And it sort of snapped me out of this, this place of hate and kind of changed my, my opinion, or not my opinion, but my, the place that I was in altogether. And, and I think sometimes we just forget the power that our words and our voices have. In your day-to-day, -day, do you remember that your words carry authority because you were made in God's image? Do you remember that your voice was designed to do so much more than just be tamed or well-behaved? Um, I think sometimes we focus so much on the don'ts. Um, don't swear, don't gossip, don't slander people. But our voices, they were meant to do so much more than just be well-behaved. They were designed to usher in life. When you choose to speak at home, at work, with your friends or your family, are you using your words to usher in life into those everyday situations, or are you doing the opposite? And are you looking for opportunities to speak truth and life into situations, even when it's costly? Are you telling people about Jesus, or are you hiding behind all the doing? This is something that I do. I think that just like Mary was asked to do, sometimes the one thing we are called to do in a particular moment, at a particular time, is just to speak up. To use our voice, even when it's costly, and God meets us there, and God does the rest. And so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to conclude there. 
um, wanted to keep it kind of simple today. But I really hope today is just a simple reminder that our voices and our words are powerful because we were designed in God's image.